Hey everybody, welcome back to Counselor Find. We're glad you're here. Uh, Counselor Find is a podcast for counselors past and present, uh, living their faith out in this current culture. Yes, we are Terry and Zach, <laughs> the hosts. Um, also Shrek and Shopback are our names. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to like redo that intro, but not the exact same. Every time. Every time, I don't know. Whatever. Especially when we had it recorded and we were just like dropping it in there. It was yeah, really good. But I kind of like just changing it up. Yeah. Maybe we don't need to say it. Maybe we just start. I don't know. Just, hey, welcome back. Yeah. Bada boom, bada bing. Let's get like, her going. It's like, we don't have to say all those lines. We could just like say, welcome to Counselor Find, or sometimes you could, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So here we are. Part two. <clears throat> of our, or part three, third. No, it's two. Welcome to our series. Yes. <laughs> On authentic Christianity. Yeah. And just our wrestling through how do we see... Uh, how should we be living out authentically as a Christian life yeah. when we're watching so many people around us wrestling with what does it mean to be a Christian? Yeah. And even our own perceptions of like, what does it mean for me to be a Christian? And so we started yesterday or the last episode about how we were looking at um, living Christ-centered. Gospel-centered, grace-centered. This should be gospel-centered. <clears throat> Our lives should be gospel-centered, not me-centered. Right. Today. Sure. Yeah. Our lives should uh, our lives should model humility and not pride. Humility. So interesting. Yeah. Okay, humility. Let's go there. Mm, let's do it. So we need to be... So we need to be humble. Yes. We should be humble. And what does that even mean for us mm. in, like... Maybe we need to find well, humility humble, because humble means a if lot I've been things, humiliated, I, think, right? I don't want to be humiliated. But then how do I live in humility? Does humiliated come from humility? <clears throat> Same word, dude. Your English majoring really uh, <laughs> springs up once in a while and catches me off guard. Well, that's, that's the word, right? Yeah, humble. I never like, but humble and humiliating don't really like work together in my, my, my brain. What's, when I've been humiliated, yeah. It's because somebody else has put me in my place. Oh. Right? Somebody else has brought me down. I'm humiliated. Oh. But if I live in humility, it's a personal, like, I have placed myself so in that's, a lower maybe position. Maybe it's the issue that not always <clears throat> use the word humiliated correctly. Well, yeah, it's because it's somebody's acted upon me to put me into a uh. lower position. Whereas if I live with humility, I should be putting myself in a lower position. I think we can just also agree on English sucks. So oh. anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's all I got. Okay, well, you want to start with the the biblical reference I've got today? Yeah, let's give her. Okay, um, there's lots. This is just the one I okay. work off of. I'm gonna write it down the, here. The not most um, obvious one, but it's cool. First Corinthians four three to six. First Corinthians. Four, uh, I can read it. Three to six. Yes, I'll try please. to read it in a little happier voice than I normally do. Yeah. I'm a bit of a monotone reader. Smile so. while you read. Okay. Um, <laughs> this might be paraphrased. There's some dot, dot, dots in here on the when I'm reading it on. So. Okay. 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 Uh, okay. It is of little importance to me that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. It is the Lord who judges me, who will bring both, both to light what is hidden in darkness and reveal the intentions of the hearts. And then praise will come to each one from God. The purpose is that none of you will be arrogant, favoring one person over another. Hmm. 
You did a really good job of smiling the whole time. Thank you. I got distracted and almost didn't listen because I was watching to see if you were smiling. Um, I also <laughs> want to read this cool quote from Tim Keller. Oh, yeah. Ooh, Tim Keller. I know some people don't like when we read Tim Keller quotes, but <clears throat> get over Why? it. Why? Um, spiritual pride is the illusion that we are competent to run our own lives, achieve our own, self, our own sense of self-worth, and find a purpose big enough to give us meaning in life without God. I'll do it again. Spiritual pride yeah. is the illusion that we are competent to run our own lives, achieve our own sense of self-worth, and find a purpose big enough to give us meaning in life without God. And I really like this quote because I think there are a lot of ways to talk about humility and pride, but I think the main way we want to talk about under the context of authentic Christianity is in like a spiritual sense. And so I like that he mentions like spiritual pride here because I've always struggled with the word pride. Um, you know, especially at camp, like when I was a counselor, um, not being a prideful man was like the main thing we talked about every year. Um, albeit I'm sure it was needed and useful and um, it's never really a bad topic for young men, but it was just like such a focus. And then like, I just always struggled with it because we never really like, I never quite understood like what that meant. And then it always conflicted with me again, because I think English can be confusing at times. Like you can be proud. There's lots of things in your life that you can be proud of or have pride and, or they, people tell you you should. And then is that wrong? And like, so I often just got very like confused with what that really meant. And so um it's really weird isn't it right or like, someone says man i'm really proud of you and right. i've said it i've said it yeah like, wow i'm really proud of you and i'm like why like how, well, why does and so actually examining how can i be some proud of my of, own how can i be proud of you zach when you're not my kid or you're not me yeah. you're not thank you you're yeah. not god to examine some of my so own what issues have done? I, I have noticed in the last two years <clears throat> i really really struggle to say that sentence whether that's good or bad i don't know um but like to the point of like I've almost said it before to somebody and then I like I almost like throw up in my mouth because I don't know that's a bit aggressive. But I like, know, but I like stop myself and I'd be like, I'm sorry. I, like I have no myself and I don't know why. Over you that I should right, even but be isn't proud that still a you. nice thing to say to somebody? I like, know, but it's that's like if what you I re- say that to me, I don't feel I don't feel gross about it, I know. but I feel gross saying it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so it's like I think it's a nice thing to say to somebody, for the most part, but it can be taken weird if you take it literally. But obviously, it's not meant to be taken like that literally. So that's why I guess it's just—it's not a great word. It's a—it's a bit it's of a, a really self-centered word. way of saying you did a good job. Yeah, I should say instead, I'm proud of you. I should I'm say happy for you. You should be proud yeah. of what you just did, of yeah. what you've accomplished. You should have some. F- Let me build you up. Yeah. Right. Like I should be saying, "Wow, that was great." Yeah. Stop. Full sentence. That was great. Well, I almost feel like it, <laughs> what it, it kind of in, in... We're so on a tangent. What it kind of is is like, oh, that thing you did is so great and I'm so happy for you. But it's almost like the next level of that then. It's like, that was so awesome for you that it also has brought me, like, joy as well and, and fulfillment a little bit. Because I think the best, the best times are the most, like, common times to use that is in the case of children, right? And so, like, 
Right. You or watch you, or your with kid. the staff here where they're like, do something. And you're like, I didn't think you could do it. You did a really great job. Yeah. And like you watch like. You should be proud of yourself. You watch your kid walk for the first time or <clears throat> shoot a puck for the first time, whatever it might be. And you're just like. Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember that moment. Seeing them. Not- seeing them do that made them so happy. And just seeing them so happy makes me so happy. I don't need more. I don't need anything else. That feeling is unbelievable. That that feeling only comes from children. Yeah. And so that's what I mean. Like you can get it from other people and other things. Man, when you see your child do something that just makes you so happy. Right. So that's what I mean. Like that's where I think that that sentence comes in. Anyway, this is all tangent. And you get to know God's heart in such a different way when you realize that he just smiles on us. Okay, we're going to free focus (gasps) here. Yeah, okay, sorry. This is a tangent, but just to say that. Authentic, like, sorry. The word pride. Let me finish my sentence. This is a tangent to say that the word pride (laughs) and humility, humbleness, can be confusing at times in how we use them. So today we will focus on the spiritual form of those things. Okay. And what it means like internally as we live our lives for Christ. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep. <clears throat> so I like this quote a lot because it talks about spiritual pride and what that means. And it's, I think that we're, we can run our own lives, you know, making our own decisions, not trusting in God or leaning on him for, for um, direction. Um, it means that we can have our own sense of self-worth. Like we, we are important with what we have and do here on earth and that we have a big enough meaning in life uh, or big enough purpose in life to give us meaning without God. And so, Oh, I'm so good at my job and in this area of my life that like, that's what gives me meaning and, like what I do. And I have in my the things that I do with my own skill and my own talents on my own. Right. And so again, it's very me centered and not Christ centered. Um, I think, really? like, by default, okay. that's who we are as humans, right? We're always trying to prove um, to ourselves, others, and God that we are somebody. That we can do, we can do it on our own, that we are something, something and somebody important. Yeah, that's um, a hard thing. It's, it's really, sorry, for me, that's a hard thing. For it's, sure. it's one of the things that drives me as a person, because I want to change other people. Yeah. I want to be a catalyst. I want to be recognized. Yeah, for sure. I think everyone has that in some area in their life. And like <clears throat> it's it's not <clears throat> I guess like abnormal to have that. Like that's part of human nature. And so it's something that like we just need to make sure that we we see and understand and continually surrender that to God. Like surrender that desire to be somebody that desire to have like on earth recognition for what we do um or to make sure that we can point that not onto just us, but back to God. And it's hard to do that. That's like, well, and maybe not cheesily, right? Like you see like maybe actors or athletes try and do it at times and like, doesn't always seem um, genuine. So can I ask you a question then? Go for it. That is triggering right, like this signaling for me right now here. So one of the books that I really, I read regularly every every couple of years is J. Oswald Sanders book on spiritual leadership. Yeah. Uh, it's one I was introduced to young. I, I go back to it a lot. I read it in bits and pieces. Or I'll take pieces out of it. Mm-hmm. That and Max Dupree's leadership is. Mm-hmm. Oswald says in his, in that book, um, that the struggle 
God calls us into spiritual leadership. God qualifies us for leadership. It's not me that qualifies me. It's his Holy Spirit within me. Right. Right. So I need to be authentically following Jesus, and then Jesus will equip and qualify me for, for leadership. Mm-hmm. And then we run into this question of ambition. Because mm. I'm geared for leadership, and I've had this discussion with some great leaders in the, over the past decade, right? Um, men and women, where they're like, but I'm geared for leadership. I have this ambition to be more, to do more, to make a difference. Yeah. I'm, I'm gifted in it. I may even have the spiritual gift of leadership. Like, mm-hmm. hey, people follow me, whether I want to, like, I'm, whether I'm seeking them to follow me or not. Mm-hmm. But how do I, how do you take this and not become proud, but yet recognize your gifts and then also not become overly ambitious? Like, aren't we supposed to give God our best? Aren't we supposed to give 100%? Shouldn't that naturally mean that I'm, I'm driving for or striving for more? So you're talking about ambition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ambition or even just like, how do I recognize my ability without becoming proud? I don't know. I guess, <laughs> like, well, she just threw this question at me now. Like, what do you, you oh, could have thought of this earlier? This is, but so, this is how we, this is how we roll. Okay. Um, <laughs> you asked a lot, so I was trying to figure out where to start. Like, <clears throat> Well, I was just presetting that you're basically asking are we allowed to be ambitious what do we do with our ambitions and what do we how do we recognize our achievements without becoming prepared for what the bible says about ambition today does it say anything if you've looked into this for so many years is ambition the opposite of humility that's what i'm asking i don't think so i think i can be humble i think it can be i think that there it can be a dangerous place but i don't think that like in and of itself it is the direct opposite to humility I think it might be in contention, is that the word maybe? Or in uh, the word? Like it, it might kind of pull against humility. That is not to say that it ne- needs to be fully avoided, but it m- probably needs to be held in check pretty heavily. Does that make sense? I don't think it's the yeah, direct opposite to I humility. think it does make sense. For me, the example I've used is King David. Yeah. Who's anointed as king at 14 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Grows up with best buddies with Jonathan, the prince, mm-hmm. who's very aware that someday David's going to be king. Yeah. And yet he goes through that whole period of life incredibly humble, mm-hmm. with humility, right? With constantly putting somebody else first. And it's right. God he puts first primarily. And then the king that currently is, like, who am I to, to kill the king? Like, the king, like, God made him king. When God's done with him, somebody will kill him. And it's yeah. not me. And when he's gone, then I'll deal with what it means to be king. But he's, he's not overly ambitious, but he's also not rejecting the fact that someday I'm going to lead. Yeah. And he's drawing people to him and he's creating followers and he's, he, he's living out his calling. Yeah. But when he becomes king, he's very humble. And then he gets to this period where he becomes very proudful. Mm-hmm. Right. And he starts to take census. He starts to count the number of men in his army. Like he's like, look at what I've done. Mm. Look at me, right? Yeah, he's sitting on his. Th- yeah. You can almost see it. And God's like, whoa, that's not yeah. okay. And he sends like, you're going to be punished for this. Mm-hmm. Like you need to be humbled. Yeah. <laughs> Go back into that place of humility. Yeah. And so I think 
So this is me wrestling with this because I have this ambition in my own life. Yeah. And how I've reconciled it is that if God's given that to you, you need to use that in light of or gospel centered in light of what Jesus has done for me. Yeah. I, I have nothing without him. Right. Yeah. Like I think it's like, <clears throat> I have a couple of things to boil it down to a simple example. Like if you work, work or you're, I don't know, organization, coach, whatever it may be. You work at right. X company and there's an opening, job opening above you. Maybe it's a step up, three steps up, whatever it is. And you think God maybe wants you to have that job. You're not sure. Maybe that'd be like a, a have more influence and say you're living by the Holy Spirit and fruits of the Spirit are flowing out of you. You could do way more from there. If you never apply for that job and you just say, well, if God wants me to have it, let us give it to me. The lack of ambition there will probably get in the way, could get in the way of what God could use you for. Right. I'm not going to say that, like, God wouldn't make that happen, because I'll never say something God can't do or won't do. But um, also having a bit of ambition to apply for that job so that God then can use you or can help you get it is going to be useful and, and, and possible there. However, I think that we have to use our ambition to further what is maybe like God's plan, God's kingdom, and not to gain our own um, self-interest or our own self-worth, mm. right? Am I trying to get X position so that I have more meaning in life, so that I have more money for me, so that I have more people to oversee, so that it looks better for me? Or am I trying to get that position because I think that's what God wants me to do or so I can use <clears throat> that influence better for his kingdom and what I'm doing for him? Right? Like what there's a big difference there, right? And so if you're just if the ambition is self serving, then I think that's where it's wrong. Mm. Right? And I think like but to have no ambition, it's gonna be hard for maybe I don't know, I'm gonna say that, but like it could be hard for God to use you in certain ways if you just like lack any ambition at all. Well, yeah, because that's what he's saying. Like I've given you this talent, parable of the talents, right? Yeah. He gave you a talent and you went and you buried it. Yeah. You didn't even, you didn't even try. You yeah. could have put it on interest. You could have just even like lived your normal life and let me work through you. And you would have had these incremental gains. Mm -hmm. Some people have five talents and they're like, oh, I'm going to make five more Yeah, because God gave me this and I'll give it back to him at the end. Right. Like, look what I, like this, I did this for you. Right. And that's what, that's You've what, trusted be a me good with example this. of it. I have <clears throat> open hands. I could have lost all five. And the bad example would be, I'm going to make five more because that's what makes me like myself. Right. It's being able to make five more. Yeah. I almost wish in that parable, like the one had come back with five and said, look, you gave me five and I went and did this and I lost it all. Yeah. But I lost it all trying. Mm -hmm. Like what he would have, I wonder what he would have said. It's like, mm. you know, like, well, you're not lukewarm. You're Luke. You're not lukewarm. You're hot sure. or cold. Like, yeah. <laughs> at least I can deal with this. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, I think the mission's fine as long as it's not, self-serving right and I, but i guess this is another maybe example of a, uh difficulty in english because i think by default at least culturally our definition of ambition is self-serving the point of ambition the is purpose of the ambition ladder. is to climb the ladder and self-serve for my so for my that's probably where part of the issue too is for us with that word biblically is that um culturally at the very least i don't know about actual definition culturally the word means to serve yourself in some way 
right? Or the point of the word or the point of the having ambition. So you, right. you disagree? No, I don't disagree. I think if we choose the path of humility, right? We, it's, it's what we love in the hero in the movies that we watch. Yeah. That they're, they have this humility because yeah. it's not a choice I would often make. Right. It's my ideal choice, usually what the hero chooses sure, in the yeah. movie. But the, the right reality, <laughs> right, it's the right choice. But the reality is, <clears throat> no, <laughs> I'm more of a Han Solo than, right. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. it's all about me, buddy. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't run that game. Yeah. Um, I mean, the definition of ambition is a strong desire to do or achieve something. Yeah. Which, you know. Doesn't really Which mention anything but yourself. So is it for me or is it for God? And right. that's where we desire have desire and determination to achieve success. And I think humility too is <clears throat> holding things with an open hand, recognizing that I have, you know, like I only have this life because I have the grace of God in my life. Like I, I had no control over whether I wake up in the morning. Right. I have no control over what happens to my car on the road when the ice is there. Like I, I. I think I do, but I don't. Mm-hmm. And, and releasing that control allows you to live a life of humility. Mm-hmm. But control is, I think, one of the, the biggest sins that we struggle with in our current, in this current culture is, is what do I control? My ambition, yeah. my ability to set my path, finding meaning within. Yeah. Oh, man, how often do we hear that? Find your meaning within. Yeah, that's a big one. <clears throat> yeah, that's a really big one. Yeah, I think like <clears throat> spiritual humility. Um, I think the big thing here is like it, the purpose of our lives is that um, as Christ transforms us, people will be drawn to Christ and not us. Right? They'll be drawn to the, the Christ-centered Christ at the center of us and not to us as people. And so whether that's like um, in the case of like ambition, as we're talking about, <clears throat> they're not drawn to us because we are so amazing at climbing the ladder, but what like what God has done through us in all those circumstances or in that climb or in that position that we have now. Which is a tough one. Really hard to not live our lives so that people are drawn to us and what we did and what we've accomplished. Yeah, there's, there's a... So can I read from Ephesians 4, 1? Yeah. 1, 2, and 3? Because Paul is saying this. I'm going to read from the Amplified Version. Um, Paul, the, the prisoner of the Lord, I appeal to you to live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Mm-hmm. That is, to live a life that exhibits godly character, moral courage, personal integrity, and mature behavior, a life that expresses gratitude to God for your salvation. With all humility, forsaking self-righteousness. Humility could be replaced by forsaking self-righteousness and gentleness. So maintaining self-control with patience, bearing with one another in unselfish love. Like, Paul is saying, you have been given this gift now live like it. Right. And that includes humility, which he defined, like, which could be also called forsaking self-righteousness. Right. And I think one of my struggles with authentic Christianity or with Christians who aren't appearing authentic mm-hmm. is 
that often we just list our self-righteousness. Look at what I've accomplished. Sure. For God. You know what I mean? For like, God. For yeah. God. For God. Like, accomplished... Air quotes. For God. <laughs> That's not how that works. Look what I've accomplished for God. It's not really <laughs> the point of that. Like... And, the, and there's this, like, hum- <laughs> this false humility that can be really destructive, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm so humble. I, I, you know, I, and yet, I don't know. I, I watch people that have this sit on their wealth. Yeah. And they work really hard to gain more wealth while all the meantime being so humble. But when you ask them for help, they're like, help yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's not how God works. Like, you can't overwork and then accumulate for yourself your own self righteousness. Like, Paul says in Philippians, it's all, it's all rags. It's all garbage. Mm-hmm. All the things I worked for, all the accolades, all the education, all the, it's all garbage compared to, to what God's done and what, what he's given me, what I could be. Like Paul's yeah. so humble in that. And you don't feel like he's coming at you with like, look at all I've done. It's all garbage. It's more like, man, I drove so hard for these things. I wish I hadn't wasted that time. Yeah. Is kind I just of that thought feeling. of a, uh, thought of something, as you mentioned, like, <clears> look <throat> what I've done for God. Um, when I was a counselor and, uh, I was writing a Bible lesson or whatever it was, I was talking with Dusty about it and he gave me this like metaphor that I thought fit really well. I think it was about something similar to this. I try to remember it as I'm doing this here, but, um, if we try to give things to God like that through our own strength and our own self-worth and purpose, um, and it's not coming from him, it is like trying to give someone who's lactose intolerant the best quality milk you can possibly find on the planet. It does not matter how amazing or awesome that milk is. It is completely worthless to that person, and it will make them sick. And I think that's like, we try to do that so much in our lives, right? Like, we're like, oh, look at this thing I did for you, God. <laughs> but like, did you actually? Was it actually for God or was that an afterthought? Yeah. Right? If it's like, comes out of this like prideful or like self-serving attitude and heart. Um, like if our heart's not in the right place and, and it's coming out of that, like, it's no good to God. Right? Like, it's not something that he's... Um, you can't just give it to him after the fact and say, this is for you. Yeah. This is an amazing part of it is that when we humble ourselves, God actually engages us in his mission. Mm-hmm. He allows us to share in his, his work. Yeah. Right. And we think we need to achieve things. And he's like, well, I don't really need you to do this. One thing I've been I, reminded God. of as I've watched the chosen and I don't know if people are still watching that show. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Um, helping me. I'm a visual learner. And I just love it. So <clears throat> he takes all, like, I don't know how many of his disciples, but a bunch of them are fishermen, right? Or whatever their profession was. Right. But none of them are doing that profession anymore. And I think that that's really unique is it's not a bunch of guys saying, here's what I'm good at. I'm going to do this and keep doing this for God. It's okay. I'm going to put my life in his hands. And I'm going to trust him and I'm going to do what he asks of me. And they've all been pushed into this new job, new occupation that is completely outside what they're good at, completely outside of their comfort zone. But he allows them to be good at it. He empowers them 
to be excellent at it and to be the chosen ones to do it because um like through him they can do, they can do anything and then then they find out ways as they go that they can use some of their um some skills that they have used in other in other occupations or in their past life um mm. to do that job well but they never would have seen those things on their own if they had you know quote unquote applied for that and so i think as you said like um to, to trust in god to humble ourselves to to follow his plan like it's so hard to see how that's going to turn out but you just like if you really do it like you might be you know your life might be upended from what you think it's going to be you might be asked to do something that's completely what you think is is not you but we never know what he has planned for us, right? Like you just don't know where he he sees you're gonna be the best fit because it isn't about us. It isn't about really what cool. we think we're good at, right? Yeah, that's really cool. A great example of that where he mm-hmm. just takes them and and he's like he's he's taking you or he's taking me and said, "You're good at this thing. Let's apply it over here." Yeah, it's not what you know. It's not what you're able to do. It's not what you're capable of. It's what yeah I can use you for because you're willing. Mm-hmm. another cool thing about them is like he takes them and they expect both culturally what they're going through with Roman occupation and religiously what they've learned. Mm-hmm. Right. So somebody says something at one point and one of them's like, we should call down lightning on them. Do you want us to curse these people because mm-hmm. they've, you know, they're not yeah. allowing you to be the Messiah. And he's like, how, how why, mm-hmm. how is that? does that mix with the fact that god is loving and forgiving and impatient yeah. and enduring like no like you've misunderstood your religion mm-hmm. you've, what you've been taught from your bible from your torah and also that he's not here to overthrow the government it's not about like this is the culture you find yourself in it's not about radically changing that culture mm-hmm. it's bringing a new kingdom an unseen kingdom Kingdom of the heart, because God looks at the heart, not at the outside, right? We learned that way back, that, that lesson, that God yeah. doesn't choose the firstborn all the time. He doesn't choose the one who looks the best. He doesn't choose the one who excels the most, who's the biggest, the strongest, the fastest, the prettiest. The, it doesn't, yep. that's not his choice. Yep. And yet, yeah, it's such an amazing thing. So what was the... And that's most of my thoughts. But you had a mm. a question or a statement about um, humility in our culture and how do we live humbly, spiritually humble lives in this cultural battle that we're fighting today. Okay, so how do we do that? Is that what your question was? I don't should yeah. word it, but that was the kind of statement you well, were thinking. How does this fit today? Like how how do I live with humility mm-hmm. when um. I guess this is this is my question. How do I humbly live Christ-centered right. in today's culture? Uh, there was an incident in the hockey world the other night yeah. uh, with a pride night um, where a young man said, hey, I am an Orthodox Christian in my practice and in my belief. I don't. I don't agree. I, is, that what he, is that what he said? He, I don't know if he's Christian. He's Ortho, Orthodox. Orthodox something. From yeah. Russia, right? Uh, something like that? Could be. Yeah. Orthodox. <clears throat> sure. Um, is a Christian faith. Is Christian faith. Mm-hmm. 
right? So I, I am an Orthodox believer, and this goes against my beliefs. And so he abstained from partaking. Right, like, so everyone had to go on the ice during warm-up wearing rainbowy jerseys. Right. And he not only did he not go on the, he didn't go on the ice in his normal orange Philadelphia Flyers jersey. Right. He just went, didn't go on the ice. He didn't go on the ice. Which I don't think I anyone don't know would have noticed man. unless someone wrote an article about it. Right. But. And he, he didn't come out and say, I hate this or I'm against this. Sure. He's just like, yeah, this is not, this is not consistent with my faith. Yeah. And so I, I choose to abstain. Right, and so now... So he's not condemning. By, by most of the Canadian media... But he's I also not seen, conforming. I haven't seen anything in America, but by the Canadian media, he's getting absolutely blasted, and so are the, the team, because right. they would have possibly allowed this horror show of a whatever they want to call it, right. um, injustice happen, that this guy, you know, because every person on planet Earth has to validate this community, otherwise they are somehow invalid. So what, I guess what you're saying is like, what more humbly, humble way could he have lived by his faith in that moment? So he's saying, and he's still getting wrecked. really what he's saying is if we're saying authentic faith, he's like, well, I have this gospel centered life sure. in humility. I don't agree with your practice in America or Babylon or Rome. Pick your, pick your poison, mm -hmm. but I'm not part of this culture. And so I stand against it. Yeah. Humbly. I'm not, I'm not creating ripples and I'm not, but I'm also not bowing to this idol. Yeah. That you're currently worshiping at. And they're ready to throw him into the fiery furnace. Like, okay, here we go. Yeah. If you don't bow to this idol, then you need to be thrown in the furnace. Is kind of the way the media is responding to it. Like, okay, well, look, look, King Nebuchadnezzar. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow at your idol. Yeah. What, what are you going to do about it? <clears throat> so here's my question for you. But how would he humble? Like, to me, he's been a very humble. He's not come sure. out and condemned or, or taken a statement against yeah. or for anything. He's just like, this so is not for me. Here's my, like, my... Okay, so when we've talked about this so far, we're talking about this in this perspective of, like, how could people get so riled up about this? Like. They, you know, right to religion is just as important as the whatever you know rights they're fighting for right. with the community, and um, so like we're really annoyed about the backlash that's happening from this decision. Um, I think that's an easier path to kind of go down and to be like that was an unfair treatment that they're giving to him now. If it was me in that position, or maybe we can go with a realistic position because I'm not in the NHL. If I'm got a game tomorrow tonight and i find out that it's going to be pride know, pride focused and or, my team's going to wear pride jerseys sure that they've provided and they want me to wear or maybe it's samsung focused whatever they want me to wear one everyone has to have an android they phone. want me to wear one on the bench or right. an armband on the bench as a coach and i call you today and i said terry this is the case i don't know what i should do should i refuse and potentially not be able to coach again for the rest of the year or ever in my life or should I do it and wear it and suck it up? What advice are you giving me as a as Terry to Zach and also as a like spiritual mentor or in this context of you know humility focused? 
I really wrestled with this. So I, I wrestle with this whole um, gender, sexuality, but it goes even beyond that, mm-hmm. right? This is us living authentically. So where do we, where do we, do we, comp- how do we compromise? Do we compromise at some point? Where do we compromise? Right. And what is our authority and our trust? Our culture that we find ourselves in is Canadian culture. We may have grown up in Somalian culture and we're trying to wrestle through the same thing, or we could pick any country, Japan sure. or the UK or Chile. Well, you could do Qatar because that's where the recent oh, the issues recent were with the World Cup. Issues and, in the World Cup yeah. where there's like, no, this is not, we're not, we're not submitting to your Western colonization yeah. in our ideas when we've already had to struggle through your Western economical colonization. Sure. And they, they stood against it. Yeah. And there was quite an uproar in the media because how dare they stand against us? How dare they? <clears throat> and so I, so I don't know what um, our approach should be with this thing. I, but I do know that there seems to be a biblical precedent that says you can love uh, you can love uh, someone and you can love them well without having to accept everything they do. Right. That accepting someone as God's image bearer does not mean conformity. Does not mean that I have to um, submit myself to everything they believe. Because I know their system is the world's system. We're gonna need to take a pause here. Yeah, let's do there's that. a there's a uh, <laughs> machine or something in the other room that Yelling is shouting at us. at us to change the battery. Yeah, so, so give we're us a pause, here. and we'll come right back to that thought. One sec. Okay, we're back. We figured it out. <laughs> Thank you. That was an absolute distraction. Um, this is gonna be hard for us to come back to where we were. I'll try again. You rambled on a bit trying to. You were describing where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, I'm going to rephrase my question okay. or say it again because I, I still want an answer. If it was me in the situation of the oh, NHL yes. player or more realistically as a coach, and you know, tonight I have a game, if it was pride, blah, 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 they wanted me to wear the jersey or armband on my, and have my team wear them, and I call you and say, Terry, what should I do? Yeah. Should I wear it and get to continue coaching? Should I not and potentially be removed for the year or forever? Yeah. What would you say to me? So I would probably tell you not to wear it. Like, I think that we live in a cultural moment here in Canada where if you don't, you have to conform Uh to our culture. And we know that, see, this is going to sound so, um, I don't know. We know that Satan controls the mind of our culture. Yeah. We know that that it is not a place where we have conformed to God's will or to his leading that is Christ-centered or gospel-centered in any way, shape, or form. Uh-huh. And humbly, this is where God has placed us. It's amazing. It's great. But I don't think that, and in this is where I was going, I think that acceptance doesn't mean conformity. And so right. I, 
I can still love you, but I don't have to participate in everything you do sure. to love you. And so I would take that stand and say, no, like, yeah. and, and we've had to do that here at camp. We don't restrict anyone from coming to camp. Right. But we're also not going to teach that the way the world approaches life is right. I, I think that there's some people that I listen to and I think, man, they are right on. You know, why are we so worried about defending our own position so desperately that we need to be affirmed at every time we turn around? Right, whether it's it's whatever the situation is, yeah. Regardless of where we come from, ethnically, spiritually, sexually, uh, whatever, emotionally, that that because I don't agree with you doesn't mean I hate you. Mm. And yet, our culture says if you don't agree with me, you obviously hate me. Yeah. In fact, you you don't agree with me, therefore you're doing violence against me emotionally or spiritually. Yeah. And like, well. In humility, no. <laughs> Humbly, no. I'm actually abstaining from participating in your idolatry or witchcraft of pursuit of yourself. Yeah. Because I've laid myself down and made Christ my center. So if I'm authentically Christian and Christ is my center and I'm humble, these first two issues that we've talked about, then I cannot participate in this uh, worship of an ideal or a practice that is about self. So what, like, how do we find that line then of when we need to take that stand and when we don't? And is that line different for a person versus an organization? Because the one thing that you often hear, and we have used the excuses before, whether it's personal or organization is, well, if I do that, if I take the stand here, I'll lose all my influence forever, whatever going forward, right? Whether that's a person in a position or maybe that's us as an organization. Well, if we just take this checkbox, then that we're going to support blah, 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 or that we're going to be okay with yada, yada, that might be against what we believe. We don't check that tech box, tick box, we might lose our camp. We might lose our influence in this area forever. But if we just put the tech check mark there, we can keep the influence, we can keep the camp, we can keep the ministry. Yeah, but then you're compromising your character. So you, you, what you're sacrificing then is character, is, is call. So what you're is, saying is like never compromise. That's the line. No. I'm not saying yeah. that's wrong. I, just... I don't know. There's, there's a time and place for compromise, but I think when you come to a character issue, that's not the time and place for compromise. Right. Like it, it's one thing to compromise. Like, to never compromise means you're never going to make a financial agreement with your spouse. Right. <laughs> because you're both going to have different approaches to things. Like, for to, sure. Like, I, like that's such a blanket statement. No, compromise. I mean to never compromise but, on But when you come to your character, your belief, I, I really think so. Because... Because it's such a, a slope of, there's just no way to get traction. Yeah. Once you start down that hill, you, it's downhill the whole way. Because where do we stop compromising? And, and I'm seeing this so much, and I think this is why this authentic Christianity conversation is so relevant, is because we have compromised in so many ways. In our, oh, 
in our finances. Let's just pick finance for one thing. The, the, the church has begun teaching that it's so important. Like, we don't contradict the world view that we need to save for retirement. Right? RSPs yeah. and buy a house and all this stuff. This is really like an issue in the last hundred years. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's not like this is that retirement was something that the, any nation ever worked towards. Right. Like go and, and tell that to like, go and tell that to people working. I'm going to, this is awful. I'm just going to say like in a Tibet, Chile. Sure. Yeah. Bangladesh that, Hey, how, how's your RSP? <laughs> yeah. How's your, no. what are the, you, yeah. the Americans call it a 401k? Like this is, this is a, a North American construct. Mm-hmm. It's such a Western construct because we have, we have plenty. So then do we take that ideology? And we apply it against the whole world, and the rest of the world's like, we're just trying to earn a buck. Right. Right? Tell that to the people living on the dumpsters in Mexico, trying to, to eke out a living, <laughs> and, okay, and so, come to them like, well, th- if you had true Christian faith, you would have prosperity. Right. What? Okay, so to bring all this back to humility. <laughs> so, so our issue, the issue that you've raised is, is on... Um, well, this came up is because it, is we're because we were watching. Well, we talked about this issue with this show guy, and it was like, yeah, we felt that he was, um, what would be the word here? Standing up for his faith in a humble way. So he was, he yeah. was showing humility in his faith, and he didn't condemn anybody, right? And so we were like, but he's still being condemned himself. He's being, condemned even though himself. he he was being humble. And I guess to that point. If it's like, we're like, well, how do we do this humblier? Like, what's the point if we're going to be condemned? And I guess uh, the point I come back to is like, yeah, Jesus never promised us an easy life. It's not like if you do all these things and follow the scriptures that you're going to have an easy, an easy life. That's never been promised to us. No, your first passage that you brought up in the conversation on being Christ-centered, when you talked about 2 Corinthians, he's like, we're persecuted, we're crushed, we're oppressed, we are struck down, we're... We're not destroyed, but we are not living an easy life. Do you think if we're not those things, that that might be a sign of a lack of authentic faith? Christianity? I think we've had it really easy in North America because sure. they were a lot of the foundations of our North American culture were Christians that were fleeing persecution. Right. And so they came and they set up these pockets of, you know, they're not utopian, but they're perfect Christian societies. Yeah. And so there is that root there. Right. That came. So the, rea- the reality of persecution wasn't here for us. Right. But do you think it's becoming one? Oh, for sure. And I think, um, yeah, for sure. That we either have to accept our culture around us and their mm-hmm. ideals, right? And, and not it's only not accept, even, accept, but validate. We have to, we have to validate. Yeah. And, and even like our universities, they're no longer teaching multiple idea- ideations. Mm-hmm. It's indoctrination. Right. You have to. You have to come and worship at the altar of the higher mind, and accept that, um, we live in a pluralistic society. Yeah. And that. Uh, we are right. Yeah, I mean, the that whole North point American of culture is right. North, North American university culture. The whole point when it started was that it was this place for free thinking and free thought, and 
but you and can't multiple have freedom paths of, of thought, thought, and that does not exist anymore, especially this, in Canada. This young man, you are not stood allowed up. to think new things and right. things different because you will literally get banned from the university if you do. Yeah. So he stood up for his re- religion and his freedom of speech. We're like, yeah. hey, you're welcome to have free religion and you're welcome to freedom of speech, but you're wrong. Unless, but, unless, and so, and that's all the pieces I'm reading out there on the news about this young guy are like. Sure, 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 sure. Freedom of religion, freedom of speech. But you, you hate me, and so I cancel you. Right. You're wrong. So, so let's, you're let's being removed. Let's clarify something, though. There, we, we do have those butts. Like, they do exist. Obviously, yeah. if... We have big butts. Well, if, if, if I say you have freedom to religion, but that's going to cause violence to somebody, like jihadism, there's obviously that's a no-go. We're not going to be okay with that. Right. So I think what the distinction here is, is in Canadian culture, they're equating what this guy did to the act of violence or to something that is intolerable, right? It's, so our line is probably like, you can have freedom of religion unless that's going to cause somebody else physical harm. They're they're pulling that line back more and saying, this guy falls into that category of it's, it's too far. He's, he's, he's crossing a line of human rights. To not wear this jersey and but, hockey warm ups. But minutes. that's a human right that's been established in the oh. last fifteen years. Yeah. The last, the last twenty yeah, but forty Terry, years. Don't you know that we are so virtuous in the twenty first century that we've learned things about human rights that we never knew before. No, we've, like we just we've making, learned new things in the last twenty years that we just have gotten wrong forever. And we're ever. just making better weapons. We have the ability to better defend our positions. I think we're just, you know, we're we just can so virtuous this. now that we, we see things we couldn't see before. But you don't because <laughs> someone stands up and says, uh, hey, I'm a university professor and I don't agree with this. You know, I'm not going to call you they, zim, zen. I'm sure. going to use he and she because we're, we are like, th- that's it. And so then that university professor is, forcibly removed from his position he's being right he's being challenged on his ability to teach yeah what does this have to do with his ability to teach yeah he holds a conviction about about pronouns and now we all have to use pronouns with everybody we see because okay to play play devil's advocate the police have come and said that you can't do this anymore so I mentioned earlier, like, you know, purpose of our lives is that people will be drawn to Christ in us and not drawn to us. Right. And I, the flip and side I don't want to rant on Here's this. the flip side of that, saying. too, is that people, Paul also says that um, people shouldn't, should not hate us for who we are, but for who Christ is. And so there is a line here, too, where we can go too far the other way, right? Right. If we're just shoving religion in people's faces and refusing to be compromisable and to be, um, easy to live with like people shouldn't dislike us for us they should dislike us because of jesus and they don't like him right that's a tough line to find too right it is a tough line to find because we have our personal convictions we can get off on our rants because i feel so so strongly about one thing or another yeah and again this is where we come into it and we say look i come to you with love but i don't have to conform to your practice i don't need to become uh, a drunk to reach yeah. drunks. I don't need to become, I can stand and say like, I, I, uh, I love you. 
Yeah. I'll hold your hair back while you throw well, up. Yeah, nobody thinks. But I don't think this is right for you. I don't where, think this is good for you. It's where the disconnect is because, unfortunately, our society thinks that if you don't validate, um, for, for sure, the LGB community, therefore you don't love them. They do not, they do not see a difference between loving and um, approving or validating. Where we do in every other area, nobody would say, well, in order to love a drunk, you got to get drunk with them. Nobody thinks that. But that's how we act like for the LGB community, right? You think, well, in order to, to love them, you have to agree with everything that they say. You right. have to show support, like physically show support for them. Right. And we, but we, I can fully respect and honor and love them without having to conform. This is the issue we had where some of the churches wouldn't shut down for COVID. And we're like, yeah. in humility, have some respect. Nobody knows what's going on. Yeah. It's not persecution. This is like a health concern. I think a good example. And there's, there's so much fear here. So let's enter into this with humility and meet people in their fear and try and show yeah. them love that overcomes fear. Here's a good example that I think it's a good example that um, maybe more relatable for people is that um, like for me, if I have, you know, Christian friends or they say they're Christian that are living together before marriage or having sex before marriage, I will, you know, I still love Oof. them. Even if maybe they're not Christian, actually, yeah. let's go non-Christian. Yeah. But living together before marriage, sex before marriage, non-Christian, love them. I will be there for them. But I like, I'm not going to go and do anything to um, support that before marriage. So I'm not going to go on a trip with them where they're going to be together in the same room, right? I'm not going to go and invite them to stay at my house for the night and give them one room to stay in, right? That's, I think that's maybe a better example to equate to the to LGB thing, like how we love them, but we don't need to like give them an avenue to practice the thing that we disagree with, right? We don't need to physically show support with the thing that we don't believe in and don't agree with what they're doing in their life. But we can still love them. We can still be there for them. We can still be their friend. We can still talk to them. We can still hang out with them. We can still love on them. Yeah. But there's, there's lines. There's lines to draw that, like, hey, I love you, but I'm not going to. They shouldn't condemn you for your conviction. Right. If I'm loving you because of your convictions, you should love me because of my convictions. Yeah. And, and this my, example my convictions works drive me to you see, love you, you see because of example, my humility. You see this example in movies and shows all the time, especially older ones, where it was like the classic like um, girl or guy comes home from university with the with the boyfriend or from, you know, comes home for Christmas with whatever the boyfriend. Yeah. And then they want to they're staying at their parents house and they want to stay in the same room, but they know their parents will never allow that. So they know they're just getting separate rooms and they have to try and sneak together and be in the same room. And like that's like tons of movies, examples. Right. And that's just like a classic non secular example where like there's this like. um this idea that like, oh yeah, well, our, our parents would never let us stay in the same room if we're not married. That's older. Like that's not really exist anymore today in modern world, but um, like it's the same idea, right? Not, they never thought in those, in those situations, they never think that their parents don't love them because they have that rule in their house. Right. Yeah. They never think that their parents don't love them right. still. And that, but all of a sudden now, now we do, now we question it because we don't, we don't show support and validate in every single way possible. Right. Now we question whether that means love. Because the idea of love has been completely ruined in our culture today. Right. Because like to love is to validate and to and to love is to is to agree with. 
right? Right, but we know that love, love. love requires discipline. Love requires right. hard choices. Love we requires We don't know what love is anymore. Tough, we are so far love. off the tra- track from humility here, yeah, but we um, are. Sorry, guys. Is what it is. But it. But <laughs> I think this is really relevant because this is the culture we live in, mm-hmm. right? Whether we call it Canada or Babylon or Rome or whatever we we use, whatever we're we're using as our model, and I see it all over the place where there are Christian voices trying to stand up and say, why am I surprised when Babylon acts like Babylon? Yeah. This is Babylon acting like Babylon. I'm not surprised by it. So how do I live in it? Yeah. How do I come into it and say, okay, here's, here's, what, here's what I believe, and here's how I love you, and let's explore this together. But there is no room yeah. for conversation. It's, it's, yeah, and so I think we're going to have to be prepared for persecution. And I think, I think you're so, going too. to have to like say, that I, I'm not wearing this armband, and it may cost you that coaching position. Mm-hmm. And, and that may be us sitting here in humility saying, we love camp. I love my job. I work at a camp that is a Christian camp, yeah. and it's a Bible camp. And so we hold biblical values. Yeah. And that's where our authority and our truth comes from. And we are trying to navigate our culture from a biblical perspective with Christ at the center and in humility. And it may mean that we lose our camp. Yeah. And I hold it with open hands. This is the talent I've been given. I'm not going to bury it, but I may lose it. And that's not in my control. It's in God's control within the culture that I've been placed. Yeah. And how do we navigate that and live that? And I think that is the conversation of humility. That is really important, but it's not about self-righteousness. It's forsaking my self-righteousness to pursue God's right living. And that's relationship. And maybe we'll get to that in the next conversation. How do we live sincere? Yeah, for sure. Thanks. That's definitely enough for today. Okay, we'll we'll chat soon. We'll catch up. Thanks for joining us. See See you later. Bye.